Today, myself, Chris Barnabas, and co-host Chris Vazanias are super excited to host the second episode of ADC's Winner's Circle. Our first guest within our circle is the one and only Charlie Perdios. Charlie is the co-director of Anthony Pepe, who have multiple estate agencies across North London. Charlie has been an instrumental figure to the success of Anthony Pepe and has won many awards over the years, which includes Best Local Estate Agency Group in London. Charlie was one of the first members at ADC and we can't wait to share with you his journey to success. So welcome to the show, Charlie. It's great to have you here. Hi, guys. Lovely to be here. And what an amazing introduction, Chris. It's almost like you've practiced that before. Couldn't have done it better myself. Definitely, definitely. You, you paid me. You paid me to say that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Cool. So, Charlie, I'm going to ask you the first question. And I wanted to go right to the beginning and sort of delve a little bit into your, your childhood and, and growing up. So what what was that like growing up? And um, and how did you sort of progress and, and then eventually get into the, the property business? Okay, so I had a pretty good childhood, to be honest. Um, growing up in North London, um, I... I suppose went to school in North London um, at the age of eight or nine. I think we went to go and live in Cyprus, um, which was a bit different. So I do remember that when I was young, um, going to school there, going to American Academy, um, the changes, leaving the friends I had. So that was probably quite a, a big event in my life, in my childhood, which I can remember. Um, we didn't stay there for that long, although looking back on it, it seems years, obviously, when you're a child. Um, so we probably spent um, six months in Cyprus. Um, but I do remember it. There was It was a sort of big part of my life as a child. But I remember coming back to England and seeing all my friends again at school, um, you know, and how excited we were. We all were. So, yeah. Went went to school, um, went to Curie Boys at secondary school. Um, and then there was, there was probably, life got a bit harder when I got into my, I had a good, good childhood, good upbringing. My parents were great. Um, when I got into my teens, uh, I had to be a lot more independent for various reasons. Um, and I think that, that probably was the making of me. Um, I, I had to earn money. I had to look after um, my sister and have, and have extra responsibilities. And I think that pushed me towards what I've achieved today. Um, I think if I, if I had everything easy back then, things could be different right now. Um, mm. So... I think probably circumstance in my life. I mean, it may have happened anyway. You never know with these things. But basically, I was I was always very competitive from a young age. I wanted to do well. I was super confident. You know that that was all in probably naturally in me. But a lot of it was instilled through my upbringing from from my parents. I think and the environment that I was in. Um, and I was able to 
be successful when I say be successful be able to to do what I needed to do at that age which was to earn a certain amount of money be comfortable and also pursue my education at the same time um but I was always looking at the bigger picture I think that's just the way my brain works I'm always thinking about the future and I'm always planning um I'm one of these people that always wants to work everything out straight away. So mm. even at a young age, I was thinking, right, what is the future going to be for me? Whereas no disrespect to some other people that, you know, some of my other friends possibly even, but all the, the circle that I was in, but they were probably not thinking how mm -hmm. I was. So that enabled me to, to probably get into property quite quickly, to be honest, when I was quite young and, that's given me the advantage now because when I say get into property, I, I became a landlord quite at quite a young age. And I think that's given me an advantage in life because I was fortunate enough, obviously, to to get on the ladder at a much easier time. I think now, um, you know, there's youngsters now looking there trying to get on the property ladder and they need 50 percent of of the of the of the value of the property as a deposit to put down mm. or, Back in those days, you needed 5% or 10%. And obviously, the prices were also 10% of what they are now. So it was much easier to get on the property ladder. So so that was probably what got me started in property. But I actually started as an accountant. That was my first. You know, I started doing my professional accountancy exams. Um, and then I, I I worked in London for a while, worked in the, in the in uh in the city i worked for a company called dow jones for a bit um and then after that i moved back into north london into a, um an accountancy role and i was actually working for my father-in-law so I, I met my wife at the time as well i was probably um i was quite young i was i was probably 21 22 um and my father-in-law convinced me to go and work with him uh, for his accountancy firm. And he was already involved in property as well. So that was, that was quite interesting. Um, so I learned, I learned the job there, but I always wanted to do something for myself. Um, and that's how it progressed to Anthony Pepe. So a good friend of mine, I'm probably answering your second question here as well, but mm. <laughs> I'm guessing... Uh, but a good friend of mine, Ari Theodorou, um, who is the co-director of Anthony Pepe. Um, I mean, we were friends from the age of 16. We used to go to Arsenal together. Um, and that's where we became really good friends. So every week we'd be going Arsenal. And before you make any jokes, any of you two, that is when we were, we were highly successful. And I was watching double winning team <laughs> and watching uh, Thierry Henry and... and um, even Tony Adams break through and score like winning goals in those days. So, mm. you know, we were a quality team, but a lot, a lot's changed <laughs> since then. Yeah. I don't remember that either. <laughs> it was probably when you were about four years old, to be honest. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe before you were born, but we're, yeah, we're, go we're going back to like, you know, early, late nineties, early two thousands. Um, yeah. We were like brilliant, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and staying on football, I mean, I, I, I was watching that at the time and I'd, I remember turning around and saying to Ari, I don't think we're ever going to watch anything as good as this again. Um, 
this is like unbelievable. And unfortunately, I've been right. <laughs> I wish I was wrong. But <laughs> I've been right. So during that time at Arsenal, um, we, you know, we'd, we'd always be there every week together. And Ari was an estate agent. Um, I was moaning to Ari that I wasn't really enjoying the accountancy side because I'm quite creative. That wasn't really me, to be honest. I've got a, a, a big sort of creative side within me. Um, and that didn't really fulfil my ambitions um, and what I really wanted to achieve. I wanted I wanted something my own. So mm. Harry one day just said to me, well, how do you feel about opening an estate agency? I think we should open one. You know, I, I banked 150 grand last year. We could be doing that for ourselves. And he knew, obviously, I had the background in property and more so in business. So, you know, I knew how to run a business because obviously as an accountant, you're, you're, you're effectively helping various businesses and, and getting a good understanding of them. So I was like, yeah, why not? I, I think that would be great. So I started um, not only researching, but also got involved within a business um in the family basically that was that was a, a lettings and sales business so started to run this the letting side of that um got to know the business and it was good because i never I, I i was i taught myself to be honest with you and i always looked at things from a different point of view eventually we so the plan was me and Ari decided that we were going to open up an estate agency um but in the meantime we found that Anthony Pepe was for sale. So Anthony Pepe was, was a small one office agency. It was established in 1987. And me and Ari took over in 2004, late 2003. We did the deal, basically. Um, Anthony Pepe, unfortunately, passed away the year before. It was being run by his wife and another mortgage broker that was there. And pretty much just walked in did the deal with them um, and the rest is history. It was, it was a tiny little office, probably the seventh best estate agent in Palmer's Green, um, had two properties on the market for sale, or six properties on the market for sale, two for let, and, and the rest is history. Mm. Mm, amazing, amazing journey to get yourself from accountancy to kind of to having your own business, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I had various jobs in accountancy um, and I learned a lot and I wouldn't change anything because it gave me the foundations uh, to build Anthony Pepe to what it is today. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, I've, le I've learned a lot through the years, you know, how we've grown Anthony Pepe and, and, and scaled it up. It's, you know, there's been a lot of changes. Yeah, nice. What what made you go for Anthony Pepe then? And you could have you could have kind of created your own your own kind of brand, but what what was it that with Anthony Pepe that's kind of stood out for you back then? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, to be honest, in the beginning, we weren't sure. We 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 yeah. took over the business and we weren't really a hundred percent about the name. I mean, we were even looking at um, Winkworth franchises before that, to be honest. But we didn't like the fact that as a Winkworth franchise you could only operate in a small area. And we, you know, we knew that we knew enough people as well that we wanted to operate in, we didn't want restrictions, we wanted to operate in all of North London and beyond. Yeah. Um, so we, we parked that idea. We, 
we actually created the company Charles Harris, which is a sort of posher versions of Charlie and Harry, I suppose. Yeah. And that, the actual company name. Um, and we had we were in two minds. We thought, right, let's give this six months and maybe we change the name and rebrand. But what happened was, and, and what we didn't realise, was although that it, it was possibly, you know, we could say an unusual name, um, an Italian name, and also it didn't really mean anything to us at the time, and it didn't, it wasn't actually that successful. What it did have, though, it did have goodwill because he he operated and had certain ethics. And, you know, there was no one that would say a bad word about Anthony Pepe. And the, the moment we realised we were going to keep the name was when, it was probably after about three months, when a, 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 a Greek gentleman, actually, from he had some properties across the road from our office, came in and said, I was really good friends with Anthony. Um and I want to sell these properties. And they were huge properties. We sold them for like a million each. And in those days, we got a massive fee. And yeah. we thought, you know what? This guy, he's, he's given it to us because of Anthony Pepe, the man. Um, you know, we hadn't proved ourselves at that time. So we thought, let's give this a go. There's obviously some goodwill. And it paid off because after a year, we were the most successful estate agent in Palmer's Green. And, Amazing, and then, yeah. and, and that was in a very short space of time. But the, the the great thing was we didn't have to spend a lot of money marketing yeah. ourselves. At the end of that year, people would look back and think, "Oh yeah, Anthony Pepe are the, are the best estate agent in the area." Mm. But they wouldn't think back and think, "Oh, they've only been the best estate agent for one year," because Anthony Pepe has been around for, you know, it's been around for fifteen years at the, at, at that time. So it sort so of had it, it had that reputation behind it already yeah. it was very quick getting the goodwill back you know it might have cost us a hundred thousand to get that in in marketing so it was worthwhile it did have value mm. um and that's that was the sort of pivotal moment where we realized that yeah let's give this a chance and mm. and we've gone on with it ever since and we know the family you know they're, obviously the name goes on um we kept with it i mean it was anthony pepe and co which is a bit old-fashioned when we started, and we just changed it to Anthony Pepe, estate agent. Mm. We probably change it to property services now because we do more than we're, we're more than just estate agents. We offer everything within property. Yeah, but there's been an, an evolution, um, mm. and, and yeah. that, that, that's the reason behind it, really. Yeah. yeah. When when Anthony Pepe started, so it was, it was just one shop, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a shop in Hazelwood Lane, actually. Yeah. It was a shop in Hazelwood Lane, and then he moved to Green Lanes, the site that we are now in Palmer's Green. And we obviously took that site over, and then we bought the freehold as well. Um, so that's our building now. Yeah. Uh, and then the second part of that was actually Haringey Office. That was 2000, end of 2007, 2008. And that, believe it or not, was the actual office that I worked in previously as as an accountant. So that became empty. And I went back and got that office, um, lovely corner office in, in Haringey. And we opened that in the worst time. I mean, it was, it was um, the financial crisis. So we opened our second office in the financial crisis. 
we opened our third office in 2014 in Highbury, which was during um, the people who know that in the industry. It was when stamp duty was changed in central London. So the bottom fell out, you know, that the market just collapsed in central London. And then the high end, which we tried to get into, just collapsed. We opened our fourth office in 2016, Crouch Ends, during Brexit. And we just opened the fifth office uh, three weeks before coronavirus. So I've, I've, I've been told by a lot of people not to open any other offices. <laughs> <laughs> Although we're still here and we survived it all. Yeah. So every time you've opened a shop, if there's been some sort of crisis. Yeah. Mm. That that's yeah that that's one thing I actually wanted to ask you as well in terms of obviously setting up different offices, growing a business, any business there comes challenges. Um, what's been the the biggest challenges you sort of faced since since running your business and since growing? Good question. So when when you start off in business, and I mean any business, but especially the business we were estate agency um myself and ari were the first people to ever work for anthony pepe like within our sort of organization and we were all the processes all the you know the culture and everything it just it came from us and even when we had two or three employees we didn't really need that many processes in place the culture there wasn't anything written down it was us um you know the way we acted was an example to everyone else um it was a lot easier because we we led by example now the challenge you get is when you when you want to if you're looking at a business to to scale up then you have to have certain things in in place to be successful and if you can do this right at the beginning that is the best time. You don't wait until it's broken and you have problems. So my advice would, would be to anyone starting a business, get your processes in place straight away. Now, I know, I know you know, I've spoken to Chris um, many times, and I know that you've done this with ABC, and that's why you've been successful. Um, but you have to get processes in place, because if you don't, then when you're opening up and other offices and scaling up, then your processes break. Yeah. Okay. It will hundred percent break, and we we felt that when we opened our third office. So when we opened the second office at, in uh, Haringey, we still I was in one office, Harry was in the other, so we were still able to replicate those processes without having it clearly written down for staff, and even the culture was the same. But when we went to three offices and all of a sudden there was a location that we weren't in. So we couldn't impose that to everyone. Yeah. yeah. So then we had to step back and think, right, what do we do? We had to create solid processes and really look at our culture and decide <laughs> what we wanted going forward. You know, what do we want out of this? Where are we going? What kind of business do we want? And, and really have a plan. But, you know, the, we got the brand bit right. But there's always, I think there's three elements in a business. There's <clears throat> your systems and processes, the brand element, and the people. Yeah? And the people 
overlaps with the culture. And if you don't have the right culture and the right people, mm. pardon my French, but the rest is bollocks. It's not going to work. doesn't matter how good your processes are. doesn't matter how good your brand is. If you haven't got the right culture and the right people in your business, you're going to fail. Yeah. So yeah. You've, you've got to get all of them right, but the most important is your culture. Mm. Um, we've got the brand right. Um, and the brand is overlaps to the people. So the brand is not just the badge. It's not the logo. It's the, the people within your business are part of the brand as well. Yeah, no, for, for sure. There's two things I want to say on that note uh, as well, Charlie. Yeah. So you mentioned obviously culture, right? So in the previous episode, we were talking about um, Alex Ferguson's autobiography and how he created that culture at Man United and yeah. managing his team everything like that so if you're if you are looking to build a business and you're looking to build that culture then definitely look at that book um i've read Brian, you read ready that. yeah yeah i mean alex ferguson was the, the way he managed he was smart enough to it one probably one of the biggest things uh, the reason he was successful he was smart enough to bring in other people to assist him yeah that were better than him at certain aspects yeah and, you know, and also look, he had superstars as well. He had superstars he that he had to manage. And, and if you go into the book as well, it's, he says that there were some big superstars in there who at, at certain times thought that they were bigger than the club. And then as soon as that happened, he was like, there's no there's no player that's bigger than this club and he's got to get rid of them because he knew that that was going to ruin the culture, even if they were a superstar. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that's, to be fair, um, you know, we've we've done that in the past and to, to a certain degree. So we've we've gone from uh, an individual commission basis to a team commission basis, which obviously changes the culture because you're changing the way people are remunerated. So you change their behavior. Yeah. But what happens is if you have got a superstar that is doing really well, but they're working as their own company almost. They may be a superstar, but they're not bringing what you need to the team element. So they're a superstar for themselves, but not a superstar for the greater good of the business. So, yeah. you know, that we lost a couple of stars, but it was for the greater good. Of the so I totally yeah. understand. I've read his books. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm huge on self-development. I'm, you know, I don't think, I think, you know, if you want to be successful in life um, or even just, content and happy because you know success to some people is not it's not necessarily money it's 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 um it's mindset it's it's uh, mindfulness <laughs> i still think you need self-development always to be looking at your own self-development to be reading and to be improving yourself mm. what yeah. what kind of what kind of self-development practices do you have in place for yourself charlie well for myself, I'm always I'm always reading um, books, and you know, usually I'll read something and it will inspire me. Maybe not the message of the book, but it will get my brain flowing, and I might think of something else. So I'm always looking at, I'm always reading. Um, I'm always, I mean, I've got a mentor, I've got coaches that that I speak to all the time, even though I. For other people i've still got my own mentor mentor in business to keep me accountable so i'm always trying to improve i'm, I'm always trying to a, a big thing i think is mindfulness i think one thing i've realized sort of later on in life is that you know 
mindfulness is really important. You need to be, you need to, sometimes things can run away from you and you're just, you're just going for that end result. And then you forget what, even what that end result is. And you've got to take a step back sometimes. I think, well, what, what am I actually trying to p- achieve? What is the big picture? Mm. Um, at, lockdown's been great because I've had plenty of time to sort of reassess and reimagine mm. the business and also reimagine what I want and what's important to me. And I, and I guess a lot of people have done that during during lockdown. But in answering that question again, basically I read a lot. And I'm always looking at improving myself and understanding people. Mm. I think a weakness we had in the past was was we judge people as if they're like uh, with our own standards. And, you know, unfortunately, as I've got older, my, my, what motivates me is different to what motivates my staff and my colleagues now. Mm. So I've had to learn that. Um, I can't just think, right, what is going to motivate me is going to motivate everyone. And you, you learn that. You learn what the psychology of people, um, what motivates them, how you should treat them and remunerate them. Uh, and on the business side, again, we coach our people a lot. I think, I think one of the reasons we probably you know, have been successful is because we probably spent more time and even probably more money per person on training than than 95% of the companies our size maybe 99% I think yeah I think that's a massive part isn't it the that staff development because like it's one thing getting the the financial rewards from it but obviously you need they need to keep growing as a person and as it within your business to keep them motivated and kind of have that have them there long term really isn't it yeah i think definitely these days that actually the financial um rewards are not priority for most people yeah most of the time it's, it's having more time it's having recognition it's having a certain freedom having responsibilities and and recognition um yeah where Maybe 15 years ago, the generation, probably my generation and before that, even worse, um, it would just purely be money. And they'd think, well, their mentality would be, you've got to work hard. You've got to work mm. long hours to make money. Yeah. You don't yeah. do that, you're not going to be successful. Well, actually, mm. no, you've got to work smart. Yeah. That's the reality of it. And, you know... There's people that are, you know, I don't want to label everyone, but the older sort of generation will, will find it harder to to empathise with with uh, the younger generation now, which I think are correct in their way of thinking, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think in the last few years, sort of, well, <laughs> in the last maybe 20, 30 years, things have changed, like you said. And I think with social media, although at times it could be a bit of a curse, Obviously, if used for the right reasons, if used to educate yourself, to develop yourself, it can be a really powerful tool. Now, more than ever, like information and knowledge is so much more accessible. So self-development really is is a choice now. Like you can you've got all of these 
all of this knowledge at your fingertips now. So exactly, yeah, I think I think that, and that's exactly why we've sort of started this podcast as well, is because we want to. We know that we've got a great community of people. People have achieved great things in all areas of life, and we want to try and yeah bring bring some knowledge to to the public and and um yeah obviously share these amazing stories like yours like yours i think social mm. media you could you could spend hours on it mm. like you said there's there's pros and cons to social media i mean it's great i mean i remember i remember actually interviewing people and asking them what was the last book that they read and they said well i watched it actually i watched a youtube video mm. and there was about someone and i said oh did you did you read his book and i said no i watched the youtube videos <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> At first, I thought well, I really didn't read it, and then I thought, well, actually, why not? Why not mm. just YouTube videos and you know watch TED talks and stuff like that? You can what videos yeah. more. And I think that is the great thing about social media. Obviously, the the negatives of it, uh, you know, and, and the other great thing is obviously you can promote your business from it. Mm. I mean, reach of of social media is brilliant. The negative of it is, I suppose, us being attached to our phone and and not being present yeah now, i've had that problem there's been times when my wife has said to me you're not present you're, you're on your phone you know mm. once something I'll, I'll start off looking at an email on my phone and then it will become looking at twitter or instagram and then all of a sudden i'm in this world and i'm really i've just wasted my time mm. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people go have have that issue though, don't they? With with yeah. phones now these days, it's it's quite it's quite a common thing. It's an issue. I think that yeah. is an issue which which you know people I think in the future will look back and say, "Oh, remember when we used to spend hours and hours and on mm. on phones?" But actually, we now we realise it's not that healthy. We've got to limit it. Yeah. But don't. I'm not saying cut it. I'm just saying limit it and be present. Yeah. It's Especially if you've got family and you're at home and you've got kids, mm. be present. And otherwise, they're just going to do what you do and just go upstairs in their rooms and just um, be on their phones. And then you're wondering, yeah. why are my kids just in rooms not talking to me? Um, well, it's because that's what you do. Yeah, I, I think that people, um, especially young people who are on their phones, the ones that don't really use their phones that much and have like a, a skill or work at their craft they actually gain an advantage because there's so so many people spend so many times on their phones xbox playstations and i feel like if that child or that or that youth start really works on their craft they can get an advantage over everyone else the same age group as them so there's there's also a positive to kind of if you are kind of away from your phone and you can really focus on getting yourself above everyone else in in your chosen field or whether it is sport wherever it may be Listen, it's balance, isn't it, Chris? I mean, yeah. you, want, you do what you don't want people. I mean, it's not healthy to be on your phone or your tablet as a child all day. Like when I was young, I used to go. I used to go to the park. I used to come home from school. I used to go to the park. I used to play football until it was dark. Yeah. And literally, I, I, you know, I'd be kicking the ball until I couldn't see, and then I'd come home, and I'd play tennis in the road. It was so different. You wouldn't mm. do that now. But yeah. there is the positive as well. Like what you know, you can get all this information, and you can really, you know, you can really develop yourself by doing the research online and and on yeah. by looking at social media. 
you know, I didn't used to look at quotes when I was younger and and uh, see people recommending me what book to read. Um, yeah. Not as well, so we've got to take look at the advantages. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, so we, we we spoke about obviously your your own personal development. You've mentioned obviously mindfulness quite a bit. What other kind of things have you done to help with your personal development over the years? Would you say? Um, so, so some of the books I've read. I, I mean, I mentioned I mentioned a few. So one of them, um, so habits and discipline, I think is really important. Um, personally, I, I I need that. I need to have that. Um, for me to operate to my optimum, I've realised I've got to, I've got to have discipline, and I've got to build certain habits in my daily life. So, one of the books I would I would always recommend everyone to read, to be honest, um, is uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Yeah, um, that's a really good book. Um, if you're looking at building up a business, Emeth is well. E-Myth is really good. I think you read that, Chris, haven't you? E-Myth. Yeah. That's um, going back to what you mentioned earlier about the systems and processes, right? And yeah, definitely working, you know, and for you it would be working on your business rather than in your business. But I think yeah. building build habits and discipline is great. Understanding um and you know, I've tried to have that in my life, whether it be a business or you know, even when I was training with you guys i'm naturally competitive so that's good so when i can see results that spurs me on because i get bored really easily so if i don't if i don't have if I myself targets and goals I'll, I'll i'll just get bored so you know i I'm, i've got a creative mind so i need to be creating something all the time if i'm not creating something or seeing something happen i'll get bored and drift off so for me discipline is really important um what else understanding i think understanding how to sort of control your your thoughts and your emotions um is important um another book i would recommend um is the chimp paradox i don't know if you guys have read that i've read it yeah Yeah. i I actually listened to the audio book yeah yeah, right. Like, that's great, isn't it? Just read, mm. listen to the 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 audio audible version, and obviously that's whether then you start to think, oh, is that my chimp that's always doing that, or mm. is it side or the computer side? You know, it's it's a really good mm. book and it's really simple, and it's one of those books where you think, wow, it's it's you know, there's a lot you can take from that. Yeah, I, I think when I when I listen to it, I think. The, the way it, like you said, the way it sort of explained things in a simple way for, for people to understand and digest, I think that's what made it a really good book. And it, it it gave, so it talks about how we've got different sort of parts of our brain, different parts of our behavior, personality, um, and the way it just sections everything off. And you you can really relate to it. You can you can yeah. find times in your life when maybe you, you acted in a certain way and you you look back and you're like, why did I do that? But then with this knowledge, you sort of build up more of a, more of an understanding. And yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely, definitely gave me some value, that book. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I think things like that, you know, they've, they've, they've helped me. Mm. Um, yeah. In the past. 
they get to where I want to be, and then you know, I think if you if you want to be, if you want to do well, if you want if you want to achieve things, then you should always be looking at um, self developing yourself always. Mm, yeah, because mm. it gives you that clarity. You know, it gives you that. You, you it answers where you want to go. It gives you a, a path to where you want to get to. Mm. If you're anxious, then you don't really feel a sense of achievement. Yeah. When you've yeah. got when you've got aim, when you've got a big picture plan and you feel like you're getting somewhere, then you become more <laughs> content. You become mm. happy. And that's what you want in life. You want to be happy. It doesn't matter what the target is, it could be anything. It doesn't have yeah. to be big. It could yeah. be having more time. It could be yeah. travelling. Be I don't know. A nice garden right I, now in lockdown. Mm. Yeah. And I think I think that's a really important lesson even throughout this time as well, to have like a vision. Although we're in this situation, to have like a vision of the future which is which you you can look forward to and almost have yeah, you can you can think about it and imagine it and it just makes you it makes you feel better. It makes you um yeah, like you said, you rather than focusing because like we say with the media and everything especially now there's a lot of negativity out there and it's easy to get lost in that and by having your own vision and and something to look forward to I think is really powerful to um yeah just to keep you definitely yeah just to keep you positive really and during period in time I mean we're never going to forget this year in a hurry are we Mm. I mean when we look back, we're always going to remember 2020. Yeah. For, for probably bad reasons, but maybe good reasons, hopefully, as well. Yeah. It may be that things come out of this and we we change ourselves or the world changes, possibly, for the better. I'm mm. sure there will be positive that will come out of this. I mean, I've, I feel like 2020 has been... It's, it's been about five years so far for me. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. the emotion and the different things that I've through. So it's, but you've got to always look to the positive and, uh, and have a plan. And I've used this time to look at, reassess what my big picture goals are. Yeah, no, for sure. So you, you mentioned obviously personal development, so habits, um, having discipline, right? Um, yeah. another big part of kind of your weekly routine was obviously exercise isn't it so yeah massive um, yeah talk talk us through your, like your fitness journey because um, obviously we met five years ago now right so um, yeah just talk me through where you were five years ago um, was, were you doing much fitness related stuff before then because when, when I first spoke to you you seemed to be doing really well and, and were very successful in terms of business with Anthony Pepe you're smashing it, but then you kind of let yourself go in a little bit when those were your words when we first were speaking. And yeah. then you kind of change things around. So, yeah, talk me through kind of that whole process yes. for me. So, in my mind, uh, so when I was young, I was, I was, I was pretty good at most sports. I mm. was always fit. I was, you know, I, I always felt like I was good at what I was doing and um, whether it would be football, tennis, you know, I was competitive. I felt, I, and I was fit. Um, in my mind, I still thought I was up until, so when I met you, Chris, um, 
I was not at my fittest, to be honest. <laughs> I, from from a young age, uh, I was always quite successful in sport. Um, I was fit, and it just sort of gradually, as as life goes by, um, you just neglect that part of you, you know. And uh, I realised I was trying to play football, and I was getting injured, and you know I'd never been injured before the age of thirty at all. Um, but because I wasn't in great shape, I was trying in my mind, I thought I could still do things that I could do at a young age. Um, but unfortunately, that was not the case. My my mind was writing checks, my body couldn't catch, <laughs> put it that way. And uh, so I, I, I thought, I've got to change this. Um, I've got to do something drastic because I've tried before with a few personal trainers and it just wasn't, I wasn't really feeling it. I just thought I'm not really getting much from this. Um, I could do this uh, myself. And the main thing when I met you, Chris, was obviously that the nutrition was big as well. You know, it was just as important. And obviously looking back now, we know it's more important. It's 70% of it all. Um, And, and I knew after speaking to you, the first time I spoke to you, I thought, right, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. You know, I knew you had the experience um, and the know-how because you, you'd done it with QPR and, you know, you'd done it with yourself. You had the results yourself. You know, the, the proof was in the pudding, I suppose. Um, and, I, and I trusted you and the, the rest is history. As you say, you know, we, I, I, was, I was committed. I know you knew I was committed and you thought, right, I could work with this person. But where I was, I mean, I didn't look that unfit. Um, I didn't look overweight because I was tall. But actually, I was I was out of shape, like badly. I was like 30% body fat. Um, and I just hid it because I was tall. Yeah, for sure. And when when you first kind of started, it was, it was in the garage, weren't it? So I, I, remember, I remember that yeah. the first time ever met you was in, in the garage five years ago now um and yeah we I didn't really I didn't know who you were or anything like that and like for you we, we obviously we trained really hard in that but it became like we became really good friends and would give like you'd give yeah. me a lot of amazing advice as well not not just in life but business everything really and it was yeah we great we created a, an amazing kind of relationship um in that sense yeah. and I'll see you as a friend now and yeah then, yeah you're personal training yeah no, definitely so yeah obviously talk to me about your yeah. obviously your fitness journey right so what what was your goals when you first started what was you looking to do what was you looking to achieve and how did you get there really so my motivation was i remember once i remember like saying something to my wife and saying right i'm gonna get, i'm gonna get gonna get a six pack and she said to me charlie you haven't had a six pack since you were like 21 <laughs> and i was like right that bloody proved you wrong this time going to go for it i'm not going to like give up but really my main motivation was was it wasn't to get a six-pack yeah it's ridiculous it was it was to basically feel good uh to feel better but it was aesthetic as well it was aesthetic because obviously when you see the aesthetic change you know there is something happening yeah you, you uh, wanted to get those instagram likes didn't you <laughs> yeah Chris, I just wanted to get fit, do a do a do a, do a photo, days <laughs> um, before and after, and this was like this is what I look like now, and I'll be I'll look like that forever. That's it. 
Yeah. As soon as you got that photo, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, talk, talk about your results because in it, those photos were amazing, wasn't it? Those before and afters. In you, you worked very hard for three months, um, or three four months, and you got those amazing results. So we got a Dexter scan. Yeah, so think... yeah, talk me through kind of that whole process. Yeah, so there was probably better results than the photos, actually, to be honest. But uh, what happened was, so we 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 started training. I think it was originally training a couple of times a week with you, um, and we focused on you know the big sort of you know on squats and and um big compound movements that because i've never done that before and and the deadlifts um but also a lot on the um we did a lot of sort of i suppose people call it like hit stuff now to batters and all that wouldn't they? so a lot of cardio stuff then yeah um i did a lot i did i did do quite a bit at home as well um, so I was probably training, I would say, three, four times a week. And I think to really make a difference, you've probably got to train three times a week. I know my body, I've got to train three times a week to make a difference. Um, but I was really, really on it with the food as well, really watching. And I gave myself a kickstart. And it is really tough in the beginning. And you've probably got to be more disciplined because you've got to kickstart your metabolism. You've got to change things. You've got to change the way your body works. And you've probably got to be a bit more ruthless um, at the beginning of your journey. And I think I was then. Um, so I've got massive results straight away. And the results were, which is, which, which is probably unlike a lot of people, I was losing body fat, but also gaining muscle at the same time, um, which is really hard to do. Um, and I went from 30% body fat to about 15, 16% body fat. Um, but... We, we had a DEXA scan, which was great. So you managed to get me a DEXA scan. And the DEXA scan measured the exact amount of body fat that I lost. And I think we lost, um, well, I lost 15 kilos of body fat. And I put on five kilos of muscle. So that was a really great achievement. I remember the guy who did the DEXA scan looking at it and saying, well, that's really good for, for, for that short amount of time. Mm. After that, your body changes and it's harder to do both. Um, you're either going to lose body fat or, or put on muscle. Um, what, what would you, so you, what would you say was the, the biggest thing that you sort of learned when you first started training that you pro probably didn't, or maybe misunderstood before or didn't really, uh, didn't really acknowledge. Yeah. I, I think probably, probably that, that weight training you could lose weight mm -hmm. rather than uh just doing loads and loads of cardio like like then i thought right if you if you just ran 100 miles a week you're gonna lose you're gonna lose body fat mm -hmm. which is true but you also lose muscle um and obviously that's something that you realized chris when you were when you were when you were doing your competition yeah yeah, when you were doing your competition and when you did the marathon. Yeah. So I didn't realise that just from doing weight training and not so much cardio, that your body could change so much. And also the nutrition as well. Mm. Um, I didn't... To be honest, I have to say I was really naive with in terms of, you know, not what a carb was and what, what um, protein was, but I wasn't eating enough protein. So my diet basically consisted, and this is how how I didn't understand that eating more 
I could lose weight. So what I used to do, I used to not eat breakfast. I used to have five, six coffees, probably with sugar. Um, maybe not even eat lunch. But if I did eat lunch, it wasn't a healthy lunch. It would be just a quick lunch. And then I'd come home and think, well, I haven't eaten much. And then my wife would cook me something that was actually quite healthy. But I'd be starving by nine, ten o'clock. And then because I hadn't had the correct amount of calories. So then because I, I was starving and I felt like I needed energy, I would overload with sugar in the evening. Yeah. And that's probably my when I had a habit of having snacks in the evening. And even when I was training, I was really like, I, I thought, right, I'm going to just change what I'm having for snacks. That was my hardest thing because I'd, I'd sit downstairs and I'd maybe get on the laptop and maybe do a bit of work. And then I'd think, well, I'm starving. I want to have I want to have something. Instead of having sweets, you know, I'd have a Greek yogurt with some blueberries. So everything changed. My understanding of how my body worked, nutrition, um, I didn't have a clue. And, and you... You see people now and you think, well, you really, you really need to be educated. You really don't know. It's people that think they know and they don't. Yeah, I think, I think that's the most important fee, pe- uh, thing for people is that education. Um, and just, yeah, learning. There's a lot of, again, going back to, again, social media, there's a lot of information out there, but sometimes it's the wrong information and people fall for it. So there's, there's loads of these diets out there. There's loads of quick fixes. Um, and it's just, it's, and then, yeah, they're not sustainable, exactly. I believe if you don't educate yourself and you're just following something blindly, then that is not going to be sustainable anyway. Yeah. You're not really understanding what you're doing. You might accidentally be successful, mm. but because you haven't understood it and you haven't educated yourself, it's going to go wrong in the future. Yeah. You've got to understand what you're doing Um and then it becomes sustainable yeah, yeah. It's, because that's yeah you can even you can right. even apply that to, to business if you you might do something in business you might be successful for x amount of time like a short period of time but if you don't actually understand why you're being successful and and like yeah what's what's causing that then you're not going to be able to sustain that mm. yeah yeah, so the, the nutrition part was a big element, wasn't it, for you, Charlie? That that learning curve was it was, it was massive for you. Um, Definitely. What, what we do, obviously, with our clients is we get them all, especially beginners, on my fitness pal. So, um, yeah, my right. yeah, and it, for for everyone that's kind of learning about nutrition, you can you can put every single food onto my fitness pal, and you can see exactly how many calories are in each each food, and then that's when you're really going to learn about calories um and making the right choices really um yeah, yeah so that's really, we're going back to that my fitness pal yes yeah. people don't realize is when they're actually logging everything on my fitness pal when i was doing that i was getting to the end of the day and thinking oh god i've got to eat more yeah it wasn't it wasn't oh my god i'm starving what can i eat four calories it wasn't that it was like god I, I i need to eat more i haven't eaten you know if you're eating balanced you actually can eat more than yeah, you think for sure and, and most people don't have enough protein in their diet so once once you increase no. the protein start eating kind of like whole unprocessed foods that's obviously going to keep you a lot fuller for a lot longer right so and that's when you realize actually look i can actually eat 2500 calories but it's actually a struggle because I'm eating whole, unprocessed foods rather than just junk food. 
Um, and that's yeah, why the yeah. education is massive for, for everyone, really, in terms of nutrition. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's that. So, obviously, you're, we've, we've spoken about your physical kind of, like, transformation, right? So, you've done amazing. You've dropped body fat. You've built muscle. You've learned about nutrition. Um, how did how did this whole process help you in terms of like your your mindset and and that that type of stuff? Because obviously that plays an important part, doesn't it, as well? Um, not just it's not just a physical transformation. It's also a psychological and mindset kind of transformation as well, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Because if you if you're not physically right, it's going to affect your your mentality. You're not going to have the energy to be able to focus um for me when i was training um you know when you're on it and you're training and you're in a good place all of a sudden you've got more energy um you know you're you're, you're more fired up you're more motivated to do things yeah um whereas if you're not in a good place physically and automatically you can have fatigue and that fatigue is going to affect the way you think. So, you know, they say healthy body, healthy minds, your mind is a, you know, all that, all that, and those analogies, it's true because, you know, if you, if you, you can't be unfit and healthy and your brain be at its optimum. It's, it's another muscle in your body, isn't it? It's part of your you know, it's part of your body. It's it's yeah. It's always in a feel healthy. You can have more energy. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And and a lot of kind of we work with quite a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, and they've said, they've said that they've neglected kind of like their exercise, their physical health. Um, but then once they started training that, they they actually found that they're more productive in terms of their own business and and, and everything like that. And so, did you find that kind of had had an effect with you as well? Did you find that your productivity increased and I think that I was more focused, definitely. Yeah. Um, I feel that, you know, um, you can think clearer. Yeah. And, and you know what? Probably the, one of the biggest things is, is probably that you can sleep better, to be honest. Mm. So if you're physically, you've, if you've used more physical energy during the day, then I found that I could relax and sleep better. Mm. I wouldn't go to bed with my mind spinning all the time. I was tired, I did a good workout, I could relax and I wake up fresh. Yeah. yeah. That definitely. Yeah. And I've got through, you know, I'm, I, I, it's not, you have to keep working at it. You can't just do it once and expect to be like that forever. You know, I've gone, you know, I had those results, then I got injured, then I had to work at it again. Um, then I got to a certain point and then I might have got injured again. Then I, then work got in the way a bit and I, you know, I had some stresses here and there and then I've, you know, it's been five or six times that I've come back and even now I'm not training and I'm going to have to do another comeback yeah. um, because I'm injured, you know, but um, I, I know that, you know, in the next couple of weeks I'm going to get back on it and I, I know I can, I know what I need to do to get back where I want to be mm. and I'm itching to because right now, you know, the longer I'm not doing something physical and training, the worse it is. Mm. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm itching. I know we're not, we're not, we're not opening gyms anytime soon. But you know, I know you're doing the outdoor 
um, outdoor workouts. And, I'm, you know, once I've got, been given the all clear on my knee, I'll definitely uh, come back and work with you guys outside. Mm. Yeah, no, we're looking, for, or, looking forward to that. Or possibly just... Looking forward to the story times as well, because we've been missed those, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need to block out an extra bit of time, yeah? An extra 15-minute story yeah. time. No, 100%. No, we definitely do miss that, don't we, Chris? Yeah, 100%. For those of you who don't know, who are listening, we spend about half an hour of of Charlie's (laughs) sessions trying to shut him up. (laughs) That's his tactic. So when he's got a rest period, he's basically got to tell us a story. And sometimes he gets away with like five, six minute stories just so he gets gets his rest in. Um, (laughs) But to be fair, though, I've evolved to trick you guys. Now I can make you guys tell a story and you don't have yeah. us. Yeah, love that. Um, now, listen, we're, we're looking forward to getting you back <laughs> in, Charlie. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, so obviously you've you've faced a lot of obstacles, right, um, in your life and e- even over training and business and everything like that. And there can't be a bigger obstacle than something that's just happened to you recently, right? So obviously you've got announced, the, the lockdown got announced, right? And then you you got the virus, didn't you? So... Talk yeah. us through that whole kind of process of obviously when it, the lockdown got announced. When did you realise it happened? And I, I know you was in a really bad way at one point. And um, yeah, so just yeah, talk us through all that. And so obviously, you know, everyone knew about the virus, but we never really believed how bad it was going to be. Yeah, um, started to worry about people started to panic at work a little bit and we started, you know, as every day went by, things were changing rapidly, weren't they? Yeah. And I was, I was thinking, Jesus Christ, you know, if we go, if, if everything gets locked down now, how are we going to survive? Which I'm sure, you know, the rest of the population was thinking the same thing. But at that point, we didn't know about any government support or anything like that. So, you know, at that time, it was quite stressful. I was thinking, what is going to happen? How are we going to be able to everyone? You know, we've built this... I've spent, you know, the last 16 years building up this company and it, it's 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 in, all in jeopardy now. So it was quite a really stressful one or two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then I got ill. So I got, I mean, I was really careful. Liliana, my wife, has got um, like an autoimmune uh, disease and I didn't want to give it to her because she'd be quite vulnerable. Mm. So I was always really careful about, you know, washing my hands and not touching anything, even when I came home, even from before. Um, And then I suddenly felt some pains in my back. And I thought, God, I was like feeling a bit achy. And I was a bit, to be honest, I was probably a bit, a bit, um, probably more vulnerable because I was a bit stressed, maybe. Let's put it that way. I mean, I don't really know whether I, you know, obviously got a, it was affected me badly. I don't know whether it was high viral load or, you know, there was definitely nothing health-wise. Health-wise, I was very fit. As you know, I was training with you guys yeah. three, four weeks. was probably the fittest I've ever been. Definitely the strongest I've ever been. You know, I was smashing the challenge of the weeks. <laughs> I would have been top now if it wasn't yeah. for this. Uh, so really, it's a fake year. There'll always be an asterisk. Whoever wins, coronavirus. <laughs> um but basically, I felt some, I felt some aches and pains. I thought, right, I'm going to isolate myself. I went up to the loft. I thought, and I honestly thought this was going to be a seven-day holiday relaxation. Well, I'm going to take my laptop up there. I'm going to try and work. I'm going to try and find a solution of how we're going to go forward. For the first three days, I was working. 
I was on my laptop. I was making calls, um, making decisions, big decisions of what we were to do. I put everyone into lockdown a few days before there was actual lockdown anyway, so I sent everyone home. Um, and after day five, I felt terrible. I was, I was coughing. Um, I had temperature. Um, and I thought, Jesus Christ, this is not... Um, this is not, not, not like a normal flu. So from day five to day eight, I felt terrible. But it was like the flu, but 10 times the flu. Day eight, I felt like I was getting a bit better. Um, but then day nine, it just went really bad and I couldn't breathe. So it went into my lungs and I got pneumonia. But the scary thing was, I felt like I was getting better one day. And then the next that day... I was even worse again. So it was quite scary sort of psychologically to think, well, what is this, what is this illness doing to me? Like nothing I've ever had before. Um, and I knew, you know, I had another friend that was, that was not well. And unfortunately, like he, he, he passed away. And you know, I was aware of these things around me. I was aware that if you go to hospital, you've got a 50% chance if you go on a ventilator. So I was, I was scared. I'm not going to lie. I was, it was a scary time. My wife was saying to me on, on that day, on the ninth day, you've got to go to hospital. We've got to get you to hospital. I'm going to phone an ambulance. And I was like, no, I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't want to go to an ambulance. They phoned an ambulance anyway. Um, but my brother-in-law is a doctor, took me to the, to the hospital, took me to Royal Free. Um, it, it was a nightmare. It was horrible. It was like a war zone. because was, This was in March. So there's the peak, peak. Um, and it was so horrible there, seeing everyone suffering and the environment that, that you were in. Had all the tests, um, the ECGs, blood tests, um, uh, x-rays. They saw that I had bacterial pneumonia. Um, so they prescribed me some really strong antibiotics. But the thing that I think saved me was that my well, it was my oxygen levels were still okay, and it's it's crazy because physically I couldn't I found it really hard to breathe. Mm. Um, I was struggling struggling physically, but my body was still producing enough oxygen somehow, and I can only put that down to the condition that I was in physically. Yeah. You know, I, I thank God that physically I was in a I was in great condition. Um, I don't know why I got it so bad. I, I still don't know. I mean, I, my business partner, Ari, um, who is, he'll be the first to admit. I mean, he's ill every month. Um, you know, his immune system's not great. He got coronavirus after me and he was just like a, another flu for three days. Mm. So I, I've got no idea why I got it worse. Um, you know, thankfully he was all right as well, but I've got no idea. But I've got to say that, the only reason that my body was producing oxygen was because I was fit. And part of that, I've got to say thank you to you guys because you, you got me in that condition. Because what if I wasn't fit? I don't know what would have happened. Maybe I still would have been all right. But, you know, it's, it's history now. So uh, luckily, they allowed me to leave. Because uh, when they said, you know, you can just go home and phone an ambulance, I was like, fine, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I, I left. I walked out, you know, after eight, nine hours, however long I was there. Um, 
but the next day I was even worse. I was at home and then, you know, cut a long story short, my wife phoned an ambulance again. I couldn't breathe, but I was okay. Again, my blood, my, my, um, after all the tests, my, my oxygen levels were still sufficient enough to not have to have help on that. And, um, after three, four days, my airways opened up. Um, and after seven days, um, from the worst point, I was on my feet, but I was like, you know, it was, it was worrying because for two, three days, I didn't know whether I was going to get even worse or get better. I honestly didn't know. Yeah. Um, and that was scary. That's probably the scariest moment of my life because you don't know, you, you think when you're, when you've got the virus originally, you think, right, I'm going to get better. You can feel like you're getting better. And then all of a sudden you get worse. So then when you're worse, you think, oh my God, what if I get even worse? I don't know if I can do this, you know? It's... And I lost a massive amount of weight. I lost, I was 92 kilos with when I was training with you guys. A lot of muscle, very strong, strongest I've been. Um, and I went down to like 81 kilos in a matter of like 10 days. That's crazy. Which, that is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely, it's affected me. So there is, there, unfortunately, there are repercussions of that. You know, I've had, um, you know, I had, I always had like dodgy knees, didn't I? Like my knees were like, now we know, you know, now it's fallen off basically. Yeah. So, but the cartilage, I've had a problem with my cartilage doing nothing. And that's just purely from the muscle wastage and the more wear and tear on my knees. Yeah. So there's been after. So I've got to wait for my knee to heal because I've got a lump of bone floating around in my knee. Once that heals, then I honestly can't wait um, to get back and being where I was. And and because I know I've done it before, I know I've done it before. I'll do it. Again. Yeah. Um, but I'm itching now. You know, I'm, I'm frustrated. But unfortunately, it's like you know, it's a bone, so I've got to wait for it to heal. But you know, I can try and do some other pieces upper body and stuff so i went through quite a bit um mentally as well was very very difficult i'm not gonna lie probably the 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 most the biggest challenge um that i've felt mentally but i've always been quite strong mentally and once i after i got better then i had two three weeks where gave me loads of time to think to evaluate things in my life and uh, you know, I was really, really in a good place. Um, you know, now I think I'm going to be. It gave me that that time to pause and really reflect. And when you're going at 100 miles an hour, sometimes you need that. Yeah, no, definitely. So it was a valuable time, and uh, you know, from from being really down to being back, back up mentally and being. I feel like I'm in a great place right now, and I can't wait to get back and you know smash it at work you know we're getting busy again at work now mm. you know it's exciting um we've got a positive mindset and you know this coronavirus thing it is terrible it's taken a lot of lives it, it, it's you know there's a lot of negatives we can't see our family but it's going to be temporary and we're going to get through it and it's going to be amazing afterwards and we're going to really appreciate being able to see our family and appreciate spending time with our friends. Yeah. That's what I Yeah, no, definitely. What, what would you say would be your biggest lesson from all that? 
I think the big the biggest lesson is is um, the va- valuing your time and, and seeing what's important in your yeah. life. Because I've reassessed things, and I think well, some things that I thought were important weren't really. Mm-hmm. And you've got to think right: where do you want to get to? What is your what are your goals? You might be able to get rid of a few things in life and get there quicker. Yeah. Um, if you really re- assess what you're doing. What? What? You know? what? And that. that thing, yeah, go on. It gave me the time to reflect and think, mm. and and reassess my priorities. What? What? What way. kind of things? So you talk about like things that are important. What kind of things are you referring to? So time. Um, mm. Time. There's nothing. Doesn't matter how rich you are. How successful you are, nobody can buy more time. There's, you know, valuable asset. So you've got to, you know, you've got to treat it as such. And it, it taught me to, to really value my time, to be honest, um, and assess what is really important. What am I going to spend my time on going forwards? That was really yeah. important to me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a massive lesson, that isn't it? So, yeah, time it time is valuable, right? And like I think, especially in London and people that we're around, it's, it's always go 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 twenty four seven, isn't it? And um, by having having this kind of lockdown situation, I think it's given people time to reevaluate their lives a little bit more and see what's actually important and where they're actually going to put their energy and time into. Because people realising now, look, life is is short. Um, so yeah, it is an, it's a crucial element, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. So, cool. Um, let's leave it as that. Before we go, um, Chris, you want to do your favourite ending question? <laughs> yeah. So, a question that I sort of um, I like to ask people is is if you had to give advice to your twenty year old self. So imagine you could uh, talk to your 20-year-old self. Uh, what would you, what uh, advice, what three things, let's say three things, would you uh, tell to your, your 20, 20-year-old self? Right. N- n- number one um, would be forget about ego, yeah, Um because it's it, when you're young, you, you all you think about is your ego and what other people think of you. So you're living your life very much how you think people view you, mm-hmm. and you need to just get rid of that shackle and be more comfortable. I'd say be comfortable in who you are and believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so just forget the ego bit because I think that that restricts you in what you can do. I think that's number one. I think number two, um, I would say keep fit, Charlie. Don't carry on. Don't don't lose your fitness. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't let yourself go because then it's you know it's going to be harder to get it back. So I would have I would have maintained a healthier routine and obviously give the advice to my younger self about nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's important and thirdly I would have said 
make a plan of what you want to achieve now and stick to that plan. I mean, I did have plans, but if I had a plan when I was 20, like a real plan and, and, and a real sort of sense of um, purpose that I do now, because your priorities are different at that age, yeah. obviously. But I would say make a plan, but but live your life, enjoy your life, and make sure that you do certain things. Um, so, you know, travel, see the world. Um, again, that would go back to the first bit. Don't do what you think people expect you to do. Do what you want to do and what makes you happy and gives you that mindfulness because i just thought all oh, right i'll just become an accountant because i just thought that's just you know the right yeah. thing to do um, but actually if i could go back maybe i would say maybe you should pursue something more creative um do do what you like but you know again maybe the 20 year old version of me would go back and say well i don't have that luxury i need to yeah. make money so yeah, there's, there's, that's just a really good question. I've never really thought mm. of that, to be honest. I'm going to ask that when I start interviewing people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as they're 40, though, <laughs> if they're 20, then there's no point. <laughs> nah, all right. Thank you so much, Charlie, for joining us. And, uh, yeah, your first... Thank uh, you. first Brilliant. guest. So, um, yeah, really appreciate you joining us today. Um, and, yeah, so, well, obviously, once we get out there, obviously, tell your friends, family, share it, and, um, yeah, they'll get the word out there, and we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep pushing it and spreading positive vibes um, for the ADC's Winner Circle podcast. So, really appreciate it, Charlie. And, Thank you, um, guys. And we'll, and we'll speak to you soon. All right? All right. It's been really enjoyable. been a real pleasure. No See, you, yeah? See you, Charlie. See you, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.